All right, we're back in the post show. Yeah. I'm going to go grab some utopias. Oh yes, wow. absolutely. So oh tell me, gosh. tell me about Manhattan's. <clears throat> oh, oh. Those are so good. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell. Okay, so uh, all right. So I'll give you. This is the brief version of how I figured out. One day I figured out that you know a whiskey. I, I thought I'm drinking a rum and coke or Jack and Coke. That's not a cocktail. Mm-hmm. I'll try whiskey sours, mm-hmm. right? That's nothing. I mean, it's like sour mix. That's not a cocktail, right. right? A cocktail is something that is made with fine liquor ingredients. Yes. And sour mix is not in any cocktail or chocolate or any of that crap. So somehow I got connected with Manhattans because both of my grandfathers drank Manhattans. And it's really more approachable than just drinking you know, Scott, yes. which is, not, you know. So for so, those who don't know, a Manhattan is essentially a sweet vermouth, uh, some sort of, of whiskey, and bitters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, typically. And, and there's argument about whether it's either rye or mm-hmm. bourbon. Some people think it's and bourbon. And a cherry. And I, I like a cherry. Uh, I've oh, also yeah. had orange peel. Uh, there's lots of different things. Some sort of citrus in there, I think, yeah. is important. Something to get, something to brighten it up. Earlier, mm-hmm. we talked about uh, whether cherry. Now you said cherry, and I said I don't like that. But that's because I've had a bartender make me a Manhattan, and then they put in maraschino juice, mm-hmm. and that is not in a Manhattan. That is in some other drink that. I, I don't know, is for people that have chocolatinis and, and, and so stuff. So if you're a purist, that's not for you. I, no. I think you can do it right. I yep. I, I actually... But so I, wow. here's what I would say. I prefer... Absolutely. Like, I've had Manhattans with and without rye. It has to be rye for me. It, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work without the rye. And if it's like a cheap, like, Jack... Not yet. Jack Daniels, no, no, it's got to be a good, like, Bullet Rye is the one I use at home. Okay, so. Which is very, very respectful rye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bullet Rye is a, is a fine rye. We have a rye in Virginia uh, made by Catoctin Creek, and that is a very nice uh, rye. Uh, I mean, there are other ryes that maybe they're better, but it's it's good. Something so, with some character. So now, yeah. now a lot of people will, t- will argue that if you are mixing, then you, you should not be getting the the finest uh, thing. The oh, finest I totally disagree. Okay. Having had... I will just say that yeah. that's an argument. Um, I've had Manhattans with Old Overhope, which is like the basic rail rye. And, and I find that to be okay. Really? I, I wouldn't say that it's better in any way, but it's uh, it, it's it's acceptable. Maybe it's just that the one I had wasn't a rye, and it just, so it didn't have Could that be. quality. Could it, be. Just, it felt so... so like that. So, Ugh. I mean, so just, have you had had them with makers? Because no, a I lot haven't. of a lot of um, yeah, I don't. A lot of bartenders will will put makers mark in, mm-hmm. which is a sweeter yeah. bourbon. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. I can drink a Manhattan like that, but over time, you, you know, at least for me, it's always what, been this. What year is this? Twenty fifteen. But over time, as my palate gets. I want to claim more sophisticated, but at least better. Mm-hmm. I like the more bitter tasting, and so the rye tastes yeah. a little bit better, and the makers is a little sweet because the sweet vermouth cuts things anyway. Yes. Way, yeah, I think. Right? And I, so it's a, there's a balance there. Um, not that I couldn't drink one made with makers, but there are certain things I probably couldn't drink a Manhattan with. Um, 
and and what you were describing is probably that. So so I tend to order a rye Manhattan and then let them pick the rye. If, yeah. If, unless it's something I've never heard of, in which case so, I specify something. So so I think that uh, the vermouth is more important. But let's not say more important. Okay. So I, I can tolerate a wide range of rye, uh, but the vermouth is the real. Do you have the maple in that? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like almost like uh, at the end is a maple syrup. You both had. <laughs> Have you've had utopias before? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, that's nice. Yeah, I would want to say that we had the. Mm-hmm. It was like 20, 2009, 10, maybe. Well, at the uh, saver. Yeah, but but it was two. It was yeah, two I think, different I think, years. I think they're odd years. So oh, okay. So yeah, that would make sense. Um, nine, eleven, and probably because I, the last mm-hmm. time they did a. <clears throat> we could we could calculate back by when the last time they did salon was, but I don't. Legs. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. so so viscous. Yeah, I mean it looks like a Manhattan. It, it, the beauty of it is it's it's mm-hmm. like it's about a hundred dollars cheaper than an amazing cognac, and it's probably about as good. Uh yeah, because um, I really can't drink cognac. <laughs> I I agree. I mean that's that is. <laughs> but this um, is very drinkable. <laughs> okay, wow. so let's res- the Manhattan mm-hmm. result. So I mean I think that the vermouth is a very important thing. Absolutely. And um, at home, I have uh, Cochina Torino and uh, Cochina Teatro, some Teatro Dopo, I think it's called, because you have a. It was named after having a double of that after you went to the theater, or maybe it was before. I don't mm. remember, but uh, but anyway, that was the idea. <clears throat> um, so I I like that a lot. Um, what has been What's been coming uh, around now is to mix things up. So, so first of all, I got real excited about Boulevardiers, which is essentially uh, a Manhattan made with uh, Campari instead of vermouth, hmm. which gives it a bitterness. And that's that's a good drink. Uh, very nice. Um, a lot, you know, it's a lot more uh, assertive because the Campari. And then there's another one that, so we just had um, earlier tonight, uh, a Manhattan with um, an Amaro instead of vermouth. Hmm. And Amaros are more alcoholic than than the vermouth, uh, and they're, they're an herbal liqueur that's it's a very strong herbal, not like a, a chartreuse or something that's a lighter floral sort of thing. They're made with roots and herbs, and it's Italian. Every region, a lot of regions have a different Amaro, and that's sometimes called a black uh, Manhattan because the Amaros tend to be darker than a vermouth, and it makes the Manhattan darker. This one was made with a lighter uh, vermouth. I'm sorry, uh, Amaro, Amaro Montenegro, which is probably the, excuse me, the most available of them. But there's nothing wrong with any of those drinks. No, no. I mean, the, the thing is, I've heard people say that the bet, like, if you think, when normally people hear vermouth, they think martinis, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people, you know, cocktail purists say the best amount of vermouth 
to put into a martini is to wave the bottle near it. Right, right, right. right. Exactly. My, my grandfather used mm-hmm. to say that. You, you know, you put you put uh, an ounce and a half of of gin in, and then you whisper over it vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> but that's totally that's different from from, uh, from right. a Manhattan but, where you have to have that. Right, other right that's dry vermouth. Right. right, and and I and I. Uh, okay, so I don't. I mean, you know, I don't want to judge, but. Cocktails were invented in a certain style, and mm-hmm. you know, if people like to drink something, that's fine. But uh, I, I think that it's interesting. So this is my problem. So this is how I got interested in beer. Is it's like if I want to drink this thing, I want to learn about it, and I want to know, and I want to explore the different things. And you know, the things that you get at, um, I don't know what restaurant do I want to insult? Let's just say uh, TGI for yes, Applebee's. <laughs> Absolutely, I always want to insult Applebee's. Uh, Applebee's, oh, right? Like chocolatinis and whatever. And this is not; these are not cocktails. And I mean, so I'm at the point where I will only order a cocktail in a place that I have a some sense that they're going to make it in a good way, right? And and not. Not with sour mix, right? Yeah. No, nor with maraschino cherry juice in the Manhattan, mm-hmm. because you know they. Use, I, I think it yeah, could work. Crap. You, you, I have to say, I the the times I had the Manhattan with that in it, I did not find it uh, off-putting. Yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't as if she poured a ton of cherry juice in there. There was a little bit of a hint of it in there, and it was her creative swirl or flare on a Manhattan. I thought it was fine, but I like cherries. Me and too. So but, I, I want one with a cherry in it anyway, and I'm going to have mm-hmm. the cherry, and I look forward to the cherry at the end of the cocktail, right? A, a, a brandy-soaked uh, cherry, not not a maraschino not cherry. Not a bright red one, no, the, the dark that, one. Right. That yes. makes, yeah. But, you know, again, that's a, a personal preference or of, of sorts, but I think that, you know, again, it, it's like anything, if you're going to drink... If you're going to drink beer, or you're going to drink wine, or you're going to drink a cocktail, I mean, we, you know, it's a good thing that we agree on this since we live together and are married. <laughs> but, you know, that's a lot of alcohol. It's a lot of calories. You should enjoy it. And it Saves should be something you too. appreciate. It does. <laughs> and if you appreciate something that I don't appreciate, that's cool. But but the, the point being that I've come to learn, like, my tastes are a certain way, and they're evolving to the point where they're getting there. So I can't really drink... Like, I, I, I can't drink gin. Bad experience long, long, long time ago. Can't drink it. I'm yeah. with you on tequila. Same same issue. So, so oh, I want to be oh. interested in Mezcal. Mezcal, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I had a, um, uh, what was that called? It was called a El Camino uh, at a, at a, from a bartender we we frequent. And it's, <laughs> it's like a Manhattan made with Mezcal. Instead mm-hmm. of vermouth, but the problem is mezcal is is, is so overpowering yeah, and smoky. Yeah. So I think that the recipe that was in imbibe wasn't <clears throat> very good, and so I would step that down. Uh, he he suggested just doing a rinse in the glass, but you know then it's like you're basically just drinking rye right, with a yeah. rinse. Of... Could you whisper mezcal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Um, so so not... many people have that tequila problem right where they got sick on tequila once yeah i don't right. have that problem like, I, like it's <laughs> it's almost like a third of the people i talk to mm-hmm. and it, it's it's such a shame because i can now drink tequila i can stomach it but it's not it's never been my favorite drink do you do you, do you drink margaritas ever no no okay like so, a real margarita not the kind that's made with some mix like no i, okay. I like 
I can have like you know Patron like straight like good tequila. I can do it, but I'm not. I've never like even when it's I know. But it's have good. you have you so you mentioned Patron, but have you had like yes different I've had, kinds of tequila? Like, yeah, no, I've, I had like and, a flight of like five okay. really expensive tequilas, okay. and all of them I could tell were really good. But I could also, but huh. part of my brain is saying this is poison. But that's yeah. that's a good point though, because you can learn to appreciate. The quality without necessarily mm-hmm. enjoying the taste of it and i think there's some truth to that in a lot of i mean it, yeah. it's true for a lot of different things but liquor and alcohol and and even beer and wine i think that's very true and yeah. so you know if you if you know how to judge the quality and obviously you know how to judge the quality you can figure that out and but you just may not be able to tolerate it basically i wonder if there is something about tequila whether it's just the bingy nature of bad tequila, or if it's there's something about it that like scars people because no, I just I, I, like you said it was a bad experience at the gym, right? I mean, it just it, if you have especially when you're young and you're like, oh, this goes down so easy and it's so and you're great. learning, uh huh. So I <laughs> yeah. I was once I mean, told tequila is awesome, like yes, it's, like it's, it no, it's it like it's so good, like it's it's probably tastier than bourbon. So really, I don't find that. Uh, so I would. So a, a, a woman explained to me in in Washington. I don't know if this is true, but claimed to be connected to the family that owns Patron, mm-hmm. and the and the idea is that Patron essentially invented the idea of premium tequila. Before that, tequila was basically crap, and it was made in Mexico because I mean, it was they cheap. They still had barrel aged like reposado and stuff. No, 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 that that no, is that all. Came so, later? so, so basically, the the sophisticated drink in Mexico is mezcal, and it's made individually in different regions and villages, and they make it specifically, you know, according to their own way of making it, but. Tequila was basically made with the dregs of of everything, and, and I don't know exactly this. This would have changed in the nineties, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing approximately. And and so Patron said, "Why don't we make a, a premium product and we'll invent that?" Because there was no premium tequila before they did that. that that's at least what she. Well, everyone, every when you think about it, every sort of premium product has to start out that way at some point, right? I mean, it was street food or just you know something and then somebody said well let's make a better version let's make a version that we can upsell and eventually it just gets you know if, if it's good I mean like look at what sushi was sushi was finger food that was at stands that was you know tossed out I mean it was it was like the the dregs of, of, of the fish it was not it, it was not the star ingredient or something and Give it enough time, and enough people start to say, "Well, I love that sushi that I got at that stand mm. over there," and all of a sudden, it becomes huge. A beer is a commodity. I mean, it was essentially something right, that you drank because right. you couldn't drink water, and you had these small beers that were very low in alcohol, but at least you yeah, could it drink. sustained you because it mm-hmm. had calories and whatnot. And the idea of a premium beer—I mean, it would have been silly 400 years, 500 years ago—and you know. Here we so, are. Here so, we it's, are. so it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, so we went to this futurist conference and one of the things that I wonder about is the future of food. And you think on the one hand, food is going to be engineered in a laboratory so that there's not no shortage of food, right? But what's going to happen to fine dining? 
Are you going to go into an expensive restaurant and get a steak that was engineered in a lab, or are you going to get sure. a steak that was as, grown as, in a cow, or you know, with a, in a cow well, organically? There's, there's already people playing around with stuff you do in a lab. That's the molecular gastronomy, right? And, well, and well yeah, like, that's true. There's, there's always going to be the luxury market of you know real cows, mm-hmm. like, you know Kobe beef slaughtered right, this right. morning and aged. 64 months and all that's you get to meet uh, the cow before you eat it yes. yeah. it's uh, hard to both slaughter so, it this morning and age it for 64 months but in the future you, you we'll can. be able to yeah, do that yes. <laughs> you, you put in this special machine it's gonna be like this the sous vide time machine <laughs> I, Alexa, had, age I, my I had my first impossible burger a couple weeks ago i heard they're good what is that that's the um it's a vegan so, burger that that's it's, bleeds it's yeah it it's a veggie burger um that wow you can order medium rare, and it has. Um, so, I, I confused a certain. So I've won, been wanting to try it. Uh, they say it's meat like. I conflated that is it's beef like. It's it's not really beef like, right? It doesn't. But it is meat like. It's. Um, I thought there was like too much cumin in in it. Uh, so it seemed kind of taco meaty, um, mm-hmm. even though it's medium rare, you know, so that didn't really jive very well. Uh, I ordered medium rare. So uh, I had two opportunities to try the Impossible Burger. One was like six months ago. It was at a local brew pub here, right right near here. Um, and the company that puts out the Impossible Burger, like they want it to be just a basic burger. Lettuce, tomato, cheese, you know, or not cheese, just lettuce, tomato, whatever. And the place had this vegan burger with cheese and bacon on it. Like, <laughs> like, like why would That's I not want a vegan burger? Like, like when they first put out the Impossible Burger, like you had to serve it like basic burger. Like you couldn't serve your own uh, truffle, whatever. You know, it had to be right, basic right. burger. And but, so when I was at Chubru and they had this bacon on top of the Impossible Burger, I passed the fire and right? like. Yeah. I didn't feel like a special order or anything, so I just got something else, right? What if it was like a tofu bacon? Because they make, they make those, right? Yeah, maybe. So I was at the Industry Public House in Robinson, <laughs> and they had it there, and they served it the right way. Just iceberg lettuce, tomato, possible burger. It was, it was good. I probably wouldn't... Probably like black bean burgers better. It's mm. funny because that's that's exactly because there's I was some thinking. good black bean burgers. Yeah. Double wide grill yeah. makes a really good mm-hmm. black bean burger. And I told the waiter this. I'm like, it was good, but I think I might like the double wide black bean burger better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was meaty. Uh, mine came out not really medium rare. It was medium to medium well. You know, it was just barely red inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Like so what gives juice. it the red beet juice? Oh wow! Yeah. But no, the the Impossible Food Company or whatever their idea is, they're basically t- finding the vegan type chemicals to give you the mouthfeel, the texture, the the all the things. They basically want to make a fake meat. Yeah, and they use like coconut oil oh. to give it some of the and the uh, it's worth and trying. It is worth trying. It's I, I'm meat to like. Investigate that. Uh, my particular burger it fell apart. It, what didn't have the firmness that mm. it needed to have. So I think that, the, the problem with black bean burgers is they often fall apart. Yeah, um, but I, I do they're, like they're them. really they're tasty. Very, there's very good. there's one place here in town that makes a hell of a black bean burger, and it holds together. Um, it's my favorite by far. Mm. Uh, yeah, if I could like, 
I'd probably try it again just to see if it holds together better. Because when you have a burger that just starts falling apart, you know, it, yeah, it, yeah, that's, that uh, actually affects your impression of how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was this weird spice, and I chalked it up to cumin. It just seemed like too much cumin for a beef burger. Yeah, because technically there would be no cumin in a beef burger. No, yeah. no. I mean, it would be just pure cut up. I, I, and I could Sir easily Lord. be wrong, you know, trying to pin it to a spice, but, uh, you know, the best I got was cumin. I mean, burgers and stuff like that are the kind of things that I think should be replaced with substitutes. Because especially when you think about how many burgers like McDonald's and Wendy's. Make. Yeah, and Five Guys. I mean, yeah. you know, all these places are served. Red Robin, they're all burger-centric. And, mm-hmm. and like, take the meat and make... Something good, right? <laughs> but if you're you know? if you're not going to replace the meat in those burgers, at least replace the meat that's in like animal feed, mm. like insects, stuff like mm. that, right? Because all you care about is I'm getting protein. You're not really. It's funny. I was reading in in uh, Ars Technica about the idea that crickets are just not catching on. It's like you know, <laughs> yeah. crickets. They just don't. I mean, it's it's very sustainable, but they just don't taste good. Mm-hmm. We. I, I, <laughs> Yeah, no. I try these um, Chipotle crickets that well, we I got brought, somewhere, listen, and ago, they were terrible. I grass, adobe grasshoppers, and they weren't very good. Oh. And but as animal feed, yeah, goats and whatever. I mean, they're going to eat it. Right? It's 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 fine. So you don't have to pass it on to humans necessarily. And, and well, well, here's another angle, right? All the crickets and ants and other bugs we've ever eaten have been the whole bug. Dusted in some kind of spice and dehydrated. Yes, that's right. I've never, no, I've never had there's fresh, no rule. Like, non-dehydrated. But there's bug. also no rule that has to be the has to look like the bug. Yeah, blend True. it in with some bread and some grains. There, there and... are places that have like cricket flour and stuff like that. Right, right, those, cricket yeah. flour. But you know, give me a cracker that has so many grams of protein from a cricket. Why I don't is... like chitin. What is that? That's the uh, protein that's used in the exoskeletons of uh, insects. Oh. It kind of has a sort of sour taste to me. I'm not a big fan. Uh, but I'm what? saying grind it up, do the flour, but make crackers out of it. Then you get your protein, you get your sustainable protein, and you're not eating something with antennas and scratchy legs. Yeah, I mean, the, gla- the stuff we had didn't have legs on it. It was just the body. Right. Yeah, so what, what was, the, was it in that uh, chef's table... That they talked about eating insects, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and they they were saying that it's it's hard, but the one that the one that's most approachable is uh, is ants because uh, they they have sort of a lemony flavor. Yeah, right? I've heard that too. They have, the, they have a nice like tanginess. Yeah, to it. I mean, it's, I went when I went to survival school. That was one of the things they would say is you can eat the ants. Uh, you know, you want to like chew them up, of course, if you have to. But if you have to eat some insects, you want to grasshoppers or have protein. But you want to pick the legs off because otherwise they get stuck in your throat and they'll try to get out and then then you have a problem because mm. you know there's insect trying to get out. Can of your you throat. eat fire ants? I would. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I don't can, think that's prudent. Um, right. you, unless they're boiled. Uh, like I was wondering, like one of the things <clears throat> Max was watching on YouTube was there's this guy and you know these people, right? But he is this he, the guy that eats it. No, no, dairy no, he's the guy that gets, he gets, he's the guy that gets by stung yeah, by yeah, everything. <laughs> So he got stung by a bullet ant. And he's he like, got... oh, this hurts a lot. Oh, this hurts. Yeah. Like, the bullet ant did not want to sting him. Like, he, he had him in a, <laughs> in a shot glass, right? And he held him on his arm. 
And the bullet ant is just trying to crawl. He like it would not sting him, so he had to hold him with tweezers, and like, what? Like, what is sting a, me, motherfucker! What is it? What is a bullet ant? Oh, they're it's nasty. the most painful sting on earth. <laughs> really? Like it feels like getting shot. That that's where it comes from. It's apparently wow. it feels very similar to being oh, shot. And so them. and so, what? Where do, where do they find these things? Africa, Africa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think Africa that or, or the or rainforest. So the bullet ant is apparently the most painful one, and then there's the hawk wasp or something like hawk. Well, there's hawk, Portuguese eagle. man of war. There's, no, there's a wasp, but hmm. it, it's called hawk or eagle. It has a stinger that's like this long. It's like like and half inch long. There stinger. is a plant that can sting you and it will hurt for like months wow. because what it does is it it shears away like um the covering of your nerves, nerves. Oh. right your oh. nerves when they're sheared yeah that causes and, a tremendous amount of pain and yeah. it, it has to grow back mm-hmm. wow and that takes months for that to happen so it's <clears throat> unpleasant yeah but this guy just he got stung by everything and then he ran out of things got stung by after the bullet ant so now he's like uh, it's it's such a tease, right? He's like, I'm going to get bit by an alligator, but it's like a baby alligator, you know? Yeah, well, that's what I was wondering. Is that next he's going to have to be bit by a shark? Well, so, like, I'm well, like go one of the ones was like bit by a lion, but no, he didn't get bit by a lion. They darted a lion. They did a bunch of science, and he was taking his pictures with the out lion, but he didn't get bit by it, you know? Yeah, I guess he went out of things. But watching no. him watching him writhe around on the ground after he got mm-hmm. after he made the bullet ants sting him was was pleasurable. I saw this. <laughs> Is this, this on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, that explains a great deal. I forget where it was. <laughs> can you imagine that's like that's your lot in life? You, oh, I can make an easy living, but so I have to get stung regularly. This documentary was about the people who who live around where, where the you know the tribe that lives around where the bullet ants were, and one of the, the, one of their rites of passage is they they sew bullet ants into these like gloves, oh and they force <laughs> and, and they have to wear them. And they go through this like ridiculous, like painful experience. It's like meeting God right there. Yes, yeah, I mean wow. it's, it's it's their version of a Vision Quest, right? It's, <clears throat> it's their their bar mitzvah is builds character. Yeah, but uh, all the males of the tribe have to go through this, and you, you hmm. get so much pain, you, you they get into sort of a trance ultimately, and you know it takes days them to recover. But then then they're they're men. As far as tribes are concerned, and once you've done that, I mean, you've felt all the, the possible pain you can, so you're not really afraid of it, I guess, yeah. in some sense. I was, I mean, I was watching like, like gobsmacked. Like I can't imagine that, oh, but at the same time, I sort of can understand where that kind of like, that weird cultural thing can come from because there are plenty of cultural things we do that are just dumb and stupid, but we continue with them because yeah that's true that's true because it's the norm mm-hmm. it's, it, it's hard to it's hard to see them from inside yeah. the culture but you look elsewhere and you say wow that why the hell do you do that <laughs> but I, I so that's why I don't want to say I have an issue with like a the idea of creating a an experience of eating a burger that is an experience of eating a burger like I like a black bean burger Nothing against vegetarians. I'm not one. Don't mm-hmm. ever want to be one. Gave up red meat for a little while in high school and then stopped. But I think that there's a value. I believe very strongly, like part of the enjoyment of food, just like the enjoyment of beer or wine or liquor, is the experience. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and even if I'm by myself, I will 
often, not always, make a meal and sit down and have it. I might be in front of the TV, but I would eat it. It's an experience, you know, and again, I, I love to cook, so that's part of it too. But for me, eating a burger, part of the experience is I like my meat medium rare to rare, you know, and it's chewing it, not having it fall apart, mm-hmm. eating all of that stuff in there. That's an experience for me. I don't eat them every day. And I think you can, you know, if you're trying, it's kind of like the tofurkey. Right. <laughs> if you're trying to make it look like a turkey, there's something else you going on. You failed in some sense. You fa- yeah. It's, yeah. it's not genuine to me. And yeah. I guess maybe I'm, you know, like you can be a purist about a Manhattan or a purist about whatever. And I'm all for some substitutions, I guess, here and there. But there's a level of purist in me that says, if you want to make it look like a turkey, you should be eating turkey. If you don't want to eat turkey, that's fine. But eating that soy mold mm-hmm. is not a turkey. No. You know? Yeah. So like the Impossible Burger does a reasonable job. And I, they're all they're gonna work on getting it better. And but you that's should... a lot of work. Yeah. And then I, I imagine the amount of work that goes into making it. But Impossible if Burger you look at the amount of resources it takes to grow a cow versus to grow soybeans, right? But Absolutely. You, but but making an impossible burger is different than just growing soybeans. Like putting right. all of that stuff but together. Once they to make have once they burger. have the formula it's still going to be significantly less than making a cow. And when you multiply it out by all the burgers... By the way, if you need to go to the bathroom, it's right around yeah, the Yeah, keep making it right. Um, and and, and if, if we need to... Because I need to go to the bathroom. Force people to scale back the consumption of beef because it's, a, you know, it's not great. I'd rather you tell me I'm... Well, do you need to force or can you entice, no, right? I, well, I just can, make it I more can... expensive. I mean, yeah. when it becomes more expensive, then uh, you, you're not going to be able to... I mean, you're so, not going to get a burger for six bucks. You're going to get a burger for $18, $20. Well, I mean, you already can get that, but, you know, I mean, it'll be I mean, expensive. I, I would be willing. I mean, the thing is that not everybody is, is of the same mindset. I would be willing not to eat it. Frequently to eat it as a treat, just I mean, like so. That's that's kind of where I'm at. You know, you know it's kind of the eat less meat thing. You know, be more I, sustainable. Yeah. So like, all just like like, do I want a black bean burger or do I actually want a real burger? You know. And a lot and, of times I want a black bean burger. I don't right, want a real burger. Right. But if I could not have to make that decision, if I knew the Impossible Burger was just as satisfying as a real burger, then you don't have you don't have to make that decision anymore. Right. That's true. But the other well, thing I worry about is so. I try, I, I'm not always sure I know what I'm doing, but I try, you know, like the, the beef is grass-fed beef, right? I, I would prefer that. I would prefer to know, you know, like I I tend to only buy organic yeah. chicken. More of anything? Yeah, I like the uh, cascade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. or, or things of that sort. Like I, I'm kind of careful about that. You know, like when we get turkey for Thanksgiving, we, awesome. we get a heritage organic Thank turkey. Because I'm very yeah. worried about stuff being in whatever it is, whether it's sure. whether it's soy, you know, I don't want GMO things, you know. So, so my veggie burgers, I don't want just any veggie burger. I want one that I'm sure that isn't made with GMO things, you okay. know. So I worry about that a little bit more than I worry about the sustainability of certain things. And maybe I should be more worried about that. But I, I want, would rather I want the most GMO modified thing I can get. Yeah, well, before we get too far from what you said, I want to mention one thing. Uh, you mentioned like organic turkeys. Uh, a couple years ago, you know, um, 
I wanted to like try like an heirloom turkey or something like that. And heirloom turkeys you just can't get, or you're paying like two hundred dollars for. Very well, that, difficult. That's that's what we and we try to get that. So that's hard. Heather you went shoot a turkey to that runs Heather went to <laughs> a, one of the small um, like a Whole Foods, but a local local store, mm-hmm. McGinnis Sisters. They've since closed up. Really? Um, they've been uh, yeah, uh, I think so. But she got um, an organic, like free range turkey. Paid like $78 for it. Wow. And I prepared it, I brined it. I prepared it the way I prepare my butterballs, like Alton Brown type way. Mm -hmm. And it was not good. Like it was like dry. Like like it was like. Because those recipes are designed for. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But you, you figure like the the brining and the yeah you think the brining putting those the aromatics in there that should not be things that are designed for butterballs that should work. I think you have to sous vide it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I paid like over wow, seventy dollars for a turkey, and it That's was like not well, good. Well, yeah. from the same, I mean, like. You wouldn't treat a dry-aged steak the same way you would a, a, a steak you just got at the grocery store. Well, sure, but you can cook a butterball without doing the Alton Brown shit and still reasonable. But if you do what, the Alton Brown shit, those it's are delicious. big. I, what do we have? Yeah, but I mean, I think that the, the, that his it's recipe is tuned to a butterball. It could be. Not a, is it a heritage? Yeah, I think an organic heritage turkey. And and is and and how do you make it? So I brine it overnight. It's a wet brine, not a dry brine. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, I stuff it. I put uh, herbs, uh, you know, thyme, rosemary, usually some sage in there, um, sometimes parsley, garlic, and lemon. And then I put truffle butter between the skin. I've heard that oh. that adds the a lot to it. Yeah, because that it, it helps the skin like it, it does. It yeah. does. And then I baste it with a combination of olive oil and turkey and some garlic or olive oil, um, butter, and garlic. Um, I baste it every 15 to 30 minutes. Depends mm. on how diligent I am and what else is going on in the kitchen. And um, and I do that because I, I like I, I, I tend to like dark meat. I like moister, tastier stuff. And turkeys tend to be gamier. And, and the one thing I will say about the heritage organic turkeys, they're gamier. Mm-hmm. Definitely are gamier. But um, uh, that has come out. We've had <clears throat> one year we had a competition between a... Oh, the, the deep fried, the, the deep fried turkey, deep fried turkey mm-hmm. yeah. and the roasted turkey. turkey, and the roasted turkey won. But the thing I thought, the thing I thought about the deep fried turkey, the the, the white meat tasted good, but you waste so much of the turkey, and yeah. I, I I feel bad. You, you buy this big bird, and I mean, I because yeah, you can't eat any wings or anything, and the, even the yeah. drumsticks are yeah, are, they're gone. are are they're burned gone. down to you know. not much. And I and I, I worry about food waste too. I mean, you don't want to. Yeah, you know, so you should just fry the turkey breast and keep the rest out. And, yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be better uh, but, than but frying the whole turkey. I have always put, I've always put butter between the skin on the breast because, uh, number one, I'm a fan of butter and I don't have to worry about cholesterol. And number two, I f- think it makes it moister. And I've always been really lucky with that. The only um, the only thing that I would say I don't understand is the basting part. Because well, I like it. I like the the skin really crisp, mm-hmm. and and the problem is that an oven temperature. Like I've had two different ovens. One was a gas. Now I have an electric convection oven, and they cook very differently. And so when I baste it, I'm sure like I can watch how how um, quickly the skin toasts up, and then I know when to put. 
the um, I usually put foil, foil on it yeah, at one point. But I want to make sure that above all else, inside it is moist. And actually, when I baste the skin, the skin gets crisp, but but I feel like the breast stays moister. Well, so the skin should be essentially watertight, so it shouldn't allow anything through. But I've stuffed it but, but, with butter, but, so but it's then not the basting, a skin tight. But then the basting won't get through. The basting will just mm, no. I, I, I squeeze into the center of the. Oh, oh, too. okay. You base inside. That's different. And and outside both. And I do the the um the legs as well. And the other thing is, I don't stuff a turkey. Like <laughs> the one thing I get very paranoid about is that if if I put the stuffing in, there's going to be some sort of funky cooking. Like I've never done mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And at this stage. You know, you're spending a lot of money for a turkey. You're taking a lot of time. I don't want to waste my time with it. So I make my, I do make a stuffing and I make it separate. Yeah, there's no need to put it in the turkey. No, I, I mean I have friends who do it and it works fine. But for some me, people like salmonella. <laughs> well, I think you know if you it builds can, character. Yeah, if you can so do it right, yeah. it tastes really good. Those those the juices that mm-hmm. come out of it are delicious, but. It's just one thing. I mean, I've never had Thanksgiving where it's just two people and I don't have to worry about it. I mean, if he gets sick, it's okay because it's, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, we always have people okay, over. Okay, well, well, that's We always have people over nice. and I don't want to make anybody sick because they'll never come back, you know. So, I, I have my way and that's how I do it. So. My favorite way of, of doing turkey. Make room I, up there. Um, not a big deal. Was, was a spatchcock. Uh, Which, oh, I bet that was good. It was. Uh, what is that? What is that? It's you cut out the backbone. You cut out the backbone and crack you it spread open. it out. And oh. so the surface area is, um, you know, much, there's much more surface area to heat. And uh, it gets done really quickly. And yeah. if you do a flash cook very high temperature to start with, that gets the and it skin really so crispy. Fast. So, so my orig- I used to use Elton Brown's roast turkey, where it was regular turkey. You'd put the aromatics inside. Yep. And you cook it really high for an hour, and then you drop it down, tent it, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he put out a second recipe, which was the the recipe as published was a dry brine in the fridge for a couple of days, uh, spatchcocked, and then you cook it real quick. Uh, I do a hybrid. I put it in the wet brine overnight, and then in the morning I will chop out the backbone. Crack the breast so it's laid out flat, and then the thing cooks in like two and a half hours. It's, wow! It cooks super fast. Yeah. And the breasts are super juicy, so that's yeah. the way I've been doing it. Well, what I did last Thanksgiving was because uh, I didn't do the main turkey. The main turkey was spatchcocked and done, but I, I got I, I bought a turkey breast. Um, you know, just basically cut up, cut the breast meat off of that, sous vide it for. Trying to remember exactly how long I sous vide it for. It was something like eight hours at 140. Oh. Which is fine because that, that, um, at that time, it kills all the salmonella. You don't have to Mm -hmm. worry about that. But at that temperature, the breast stays super juicy. I bet. And you put that with all the, with the aromatics, there was like, um, you know, celery and carrot and thyme and all this other stuff in there. And it was amazingly juicy meat Mm. that just, you know, Serve that aside with the other turkey, and so you get the roast turkey. You also had the sous vide turkey. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of compliments on that, and I was like, compliment the, cool. compliment the sous vide machine because that did all the work. The nice thing about the uh, spatchcocking is you get the whole backbone, which isn't roasted, so you can put that in stock oh, and make so more turkey yeah, stock. Yeah, and it makes incredible stock. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah, it really does. I, I that's what I did. I, because Damien would make the bird, and I was like, yeah, give me the backbone. I'll take that. Take it home. Well, plus, you know, it, it, like, it's funny because people people don't think about this, but 
You know, you take the carcass of that turkey, you make turkey stock. Turkey stock is hard to find. Like, you don't find homemade turkey stock anywhere. Too. And it's, yeah, it's expensive. It's tons of sodium. Yeah, that's the other thing you gotta be careful about. And so, making your own turkey stock, I mean, making your own chicken stock, I, I can get local chicken stock that's been mm-hmm. homemade. It's pretty good, you know, or you can buy chicken stock that's really not that bad. But turkey stock is so hard to come by. So, yeah. if you can save that backbone and then the carcass once you've picked at it, Man, you can make some really nice. It's so good. I remember the, the first time, the first couple times I tried to make chicken stock, it was it was okay. It came out well. Then I made turkey stock once, and when I woke, you know, when, when I let, put left in the fridge and came back like the next day, it was like all gelatin. <laughs> Normally, it's like yeah, a there's a lot of stuff top, that comes out of that. It was yeah. just the whole thing was like jello. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this really worked. Yep. yep. Ha- have you done anything with sous vide? Yeah. That's yeah. The, we've just just oh, that's what you're talking. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I have a, a Nova at home, and I'm, I use I'm, it for a I'm trying to convince her we should try some sous vide. Oh, the eggs! And, oh my god, the uh, eggs! <laughs> sous vide is fantastic. I would highly recommend it. It's so useful. The best salmon uh, you can I've ever had made for sous vide. It, wow! Everything is always done right, correct. You know, it, it's never you, ne- you never overcook things. You never have to worry about that. Do you uh, do you you put it in a pan or, or do you sear afterwards? It depends on, on, the on, on the protein, but uh, I mean, like if it's beef, then yeah, absolutely, I'll yeah. sear afterwards. Um, for the turkey, I didn't. I think I may have put it in the oven, like flashed it just a bit. Uh-huh. But um, fish, I generally don't. You don't really have a need to to post sear. Um, he brought me some sous vide eggs, hard boiled eggs. To be boiled eggs, yeah. and the um, the whites were still not cooked, so you just kind of discard the whites. But the yolks, they taste like brie. They're so good. <laughs> They're yeah. so good. It's cooked at, I believe, oh. 147 degrees Fahrenheit for 70 minutes, and the yolk turns into this like custard. It's wow, awesome, anything. So is is this? Do you have like a the the like a column type thing you stick in the water and that's... yeah and, and I bought a little like plastic because you can just do it in, in a in, in, in a pot in this right? mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to but I bought a little like plastic uh, bin type thing that, that has a hole for it in the cover so right for low and, and it, it cooks at low temperature right so yeah. you can do it in plastic and, and doesn't consistent the entire time because mm-hmm. yeah, in any oven you can't guarantee the consistency of it the entire time the, the biggest risk is, if you're doing really long cooks, is botulism, right? Because you typically seal them in a vacuum seal thing. Right. So you got to make sure you, you don't set yourself up at risk for botulism. So don't put garlic in a sous vide. Really? Yeah. Well, for, for a super, super, super long time. Oh, wow. Botulism is... loves garlic. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, wow. I love garlic, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you should never pickle garlic at home. Huh. Okay, I never thought about pink looking garlic. Well, if you so if you have a pressure cooker to do your canning, right? It's okay. It's just, if you're just eating like a I don't pot. know. I don't. No pressure cooker. Pressure cookers kill botulism. Okay. Hmm. Pressure but cookers like, if are you're, scary things. But if you're if you're canning tomatoes, right, in a canning pot, right, it's it's just boiling it for a long period of time, right? That it, it never gets hot enough to kill botulism. Pressure cookers can are sterile. So okay. I don't know if sterile is the right word. Pressure cookers well, you have to the spores, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's Pressure weird. cookers kill botulism. But hmm. like, so with like steaks, anything that you that you, you want to treat fish, anything you want, you want to get to a particular texture, 
and keep it there, it's amazing. Yeah. The cool thing about steaks is that, um, like normally, if you cook a steak just right, I mean it's great, but there's also you know you're gonna have a little bit of. It's gonna be a, gra- a gradient, but if you if you sous vide, it's the same temperature all the way through, and then you do a quick flash sear, and it's just the. You can just crisp the edges. I, I, I was listening to somebody describe they cooked some meat too long in a sous vide, and, it, and it basically it yeah basically turned into a, a custardy mush. Yeah, all, <laughs> you know, all the all the connective tissue. Yeah, yeah, basically all the you cooked everything down. All the collagen down. melted away, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've also cooked burgers that were this thick that are medium rare the entire way through. Wow. That is, those are amazing. Make like snowballs. Yeah. Burger yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, you, Th- that'd be awesome. You could freeze. Well, you, yes. you could, and then you cut it and then you freeze it and then you just throw it in a pan. You heat it. You know. Well, the beauty is you, you wow, could prepare, you could prepare your stuff. Like you can buy steaks, salt them, you know, whatever, whatever season you want to put them in them, vacuum seal them, throw them in the freezer. And then two months later, throw them in the sous vide and they'll be fine. Oh. It's it's uh, it is my favorite way of cooking things. Not the only way I cook stuff. I mean, like if I'm if I'm making a, a, a ramen egg, I'm gonna do a six minute boil. I'm not gonna use my sous vide machine because six minute boil because I don't I need the white to to, to be firm. Right, <laughs> right. So the white won't set at all in the, in the at, at the temperature that I'm that I was dealing mm, with. Okay. You can get you can go a little bit higher. I mean, like uh, an egg is is essentially fully hard-boiled at about 170 degrees. So you're dealing with certain gradients and sort of how you want to deal with it. But the, the having That's that awesome. control is amazing. I, but, I have this whole vibe. But having that, that yolk, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta, so I'm going to try that. The yolk <laughs> is, is, yeah, the, you, you can make, you, you can like boil it for like a minute. And get the white to firm up too. Okay. Uh, huh, I, I wasn't awesome. doing that, but eggs are such a mysterious uh, food. They're you, great. You can they're... do so many things with them. <laughs> they are like their nature's perfect, meat glue. Right? Yeah, yeah. They're they're wonderful. They're they're liquid meat, and they they're they're the most versatile they're, thing. They're in the world. perfect unless you're a vegetarian. My, one of my favorite uh, drinks to make. Because um, I've been playing around with cocktails, pisco sour. Oh my god! <laughs> I had. So my my mother um, somehow became interested in in pisco, <laughs> and yeah. So I've had I've had one a couple times, and I mean not regular, but but it's a it's it's a very impressive cocktail. Mm-hmm. H- have you made them? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's... real simple. It's lime juice, <laughs> pisco, simple syrup, mm-hmm. uh, and then you you take egg white. Egg white. And you shake it a lot, like for 15 seconds, to get the froth, and then add a little bitters at the end. It's yeah, a simple nice. drink to make, and it's so good. I, yeah, that's great. I would, I would have that. <laughs> yeah, but piscos. I mean, you know, I can only find one pisco around here. It's like I, there's not like a whole selection of piscos, so I don't even uh, know if I like, got a good one. Yeah, what what is around here? Just whatever was there at the at, at the yeah I, I don't know enough about yeah. it I would recognize the label of the I know there's Chilean there's Argentine there's, yeah. there's all different types so go well guys I guess thank you so much for being here sure I know we don't want to keep you too long we know we've already kept you long <laughs> yeah. enough no we're having a great time this is a great. lot of fun excellent so glad. 
Yeah. And uh, excellent. And those oh, utopias were, were good because I was hoping they, that they were delicious. Great. Yeah, it was delicious. Y- yeah. Uh, amazing. Oh. So felt good. like the bottle was getting kind of empty. You've been <laughs> using it. <laughs> you have a lot of guess. Not a lot, but enough. Okay. It's only yeah. like a twelve ounce bottle, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess. Oh, uh, is it, is that all it is? It looks like, but it's like it's like it's, I think it's, it's like a Grand Marnet. I think it's shape. twelve ounces. Yeah, I think we, we can wow. send them. We can send them so saying, "Hey, send us another bottle, bitches." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you should. We that. went on, we went on their tour when we were in Boston, and they're very nice there. They now have a cellar tour where they they give you a bunch of cheese and they're barrel aged, uh, whatever they're making. Belgian they're, style. Yeah, they're very nice yeah. stouts. Oh gosh, over there. We started at nine thirty in the morning and uh, had to walk down the street to get a lobster roll. Yeah, we left at like noon. Sober up a little bit. Went to the Irish (laughs) bar (laughs) to get our, you know, to get glasses and. I I was there. I went to Boston. It's been a long time ago. It was probably. Let's see, were we even doing the show when I was there? Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) So, so it was pretty. It was a pretty virgin experience up there. I mean, I had been to breweries before, but yeah, yeah, it was no, really, no, but really but, cool. But they were early see. days, right? I mean, this was yeah. when Sam Adams well, was I'd, not. I'd gone in two thousand. Yeah. Uh, friends were had just moved up there recently, that in at that time period, and and I was I was living on the west coast, and I came east, and and we went there, and it was a very simple tour. Not nearly as expansive, and 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 then you sat in there, um, in a little tasting room. We just had a couple beers, and then we left, and it was nice. It's much more elaborate. Elaborate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The first one, I think it was probably like 2004 when I was there. It sounds like what you were saying, right? Tour was mostly the Pilot Brewery, mm-hmm. and then right. just outside the Pilot Brewery was the tasting room. Right. And you know that was kind of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's much, it's way more elaborate. And we were up there, I mean, it was freezing cold that weekend. Um, but, so it was nice to be inside. And, and again, we did two tours, because we did the, the regular tour, and then we did the, um, uh, their special cellar, and, you know, you had the belgian style beers with all this cheese, which was delicious, by the way. Um, and then we went and sat in the tasting room after that and had more beer, <laughs> right? Because what else are you going to do? Um and it, it was it's, actually the other way around. But. Okay. But it was... It made um, a big impression. Yeah. It, it, it was it was a really fun experience. And I have to say, you know, like, you can go to those places. And again, uh, I was describing this to somebody last night at, at the um, happy hour. There are some breweries where you go and basically you walk in and, okay, here's, here's our tanks. There's the grain. And then we make the beer, and then, okay, go in the tasting room and have some beer, right? And it's not really a tour. You don't really understand what's Mm -hmm. happening. And and at Yingling, which, you know, I'm a fan of Yingling, Pennsylvania-born, or Sam Adams, they walk you through the process, and they try to explain something, and they make it a little bit more involved and creative and and entertaining at, at Sam Adams, for sure. But at least there's something that teaches you a little bit well you know you're not just there to okay get to the beer you know there's something else there and i think that that's important because people should understand it's a process mm-hmm. there's creativity that goes into it you know whether it's a six-week period or like if you take a tour of a winery it's be a year and a half before you drink the, the wine there's effort that goes into that there's thought and the point is that if it's not done well 
you're gonna get junk at the end. You know, yeah. so you might as well go to Budweiser down the street, right? And I think that's part of the way you get people to appreciate things, and you start to take advantage of the fact that, you know, we should we should pay homage or be more careful with this stuff. Just like you shouldn't eat meat all the time because there's a process, <laughs> and it takes a long time to grow a cow and, you know, and raise that cow and whatever you do with it. So um, I really appreciate those kinds of experiences. And, and I'm into that too, so that helps, but I think it's important to do that. I will say, Jeff and I have both been to the Anheuser-Busch Brewery in St. Louis, and that is uh, an amazing experience. I would imagine they, that they, they don't, they're they don't, So, you know, we, we love independent local craft beer, stuff like that. But those guys in St. Louis, they don't... It's not like they're just taking shits in their kettles, right? You know, they no, put a no. lot of work into what they, they do. do. I, would so. agree. I, I would understand. I mean, we took yeah, a tour in, yeah. in, when we were in Brussels. This is a long time ago now. Uh, we got a chance to, to go to a Belgian brewery. And that was back when I had never even had Belgian beer before. And, you know, it wasn't like that was amazing. It was kind of dank and dusty and smelly and... Ugh, oh, we know. don't clean the cobweb because that's... <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, it adds builds, to the, it adds to the ambiance and the flavor, yeah. you know. Esters. But, cobweb esters. Yeah. Well, the cobwebs are a habitat for the yeast, and the uh, yeast yeah, are important, yeah. so... So, but it, yeah. it, it, those, are, those are things that are important, and I think it's I think more people should learn about them. Mm-hmm. So. That's, that great, great yeah, and Bush is an interesting, like, dichotomy, I guess, yeah, you know... They make this product that doesn't excite anyone in this room, but it's not like they—they they don't have acid. Yeah, they—they they are the opposite. No, of no, but they there's are... serious, serious chemistry going on. And oh, yeah. the, you know, and the, sure, there's the the bean push, the bean counters, but there's also the people in the brew house, and the people in the brew house. So there's the economy there, right? They care. But they also come from a very different place than craft brewers come from. They come from engineering know, students. Engineering right? students. I can make a living. Either I build a bridge or I make a beer. It's all the same. It's all the same, right? You know, Food engineering. Or, yeah. yeah. Where bre- craft brewers are more artistic, I guess. Oh, much more so. Yeah. You know, I think. where like so. Like we were uh, when we were in St. Louis, we toured the Pilot Brewery, and there was a bunch of brewers in training. And you know, Anheuser Busch selects these people just like they're pretty good with diversity, right? So like, you know, we talked with this one brewer who was you know probably like a 24 year old black woman, and um, you know, how'd you get here? Well, like at some point, you know, it was mentioned to her that brewing could be a career. Not that, you know, she loved beer, you know, and you learn to, when you go through all this training, you come into beer appreciation and maybe even beer love from a different point of view, from a a different starting point, you know, and I don't want to judge whether it is less authentic or not, right? Right, but I think if it weren't for them, you probably wouldn't have a craft beer industry now. Right, right? yeah, no, absolutely. Right, Uh, but I definitely don't want to say, like, you know, because I I don't want people to hear, oh, Jeff, the white guy thinks a black girl comes into beer (laughs) from a different angle that she's not authentic. It was very much about... That's not not what I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. But she comes came into it from a more analytical and business point of view... Well, than well, 
a home brewer does. Just like you know. just like you might come into building bridges, and you know, I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer, and I uh, got into building bridges, and now I love bridges because mm-hmm. bridges, you know, because first I build them, and you know, I mean, I learned all about them. Not, I love beer, and I want to make the best, most interesting beer that I can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a different it's a different approach. Um, I, I I sometimes think that one of the problems that craft beer has is it, it it's, it's always trying to be something that is extreme. It's like wh- whatever it is, I have to be more of that, right? I have more hops, more something, more alcohol. You know, there's like trends. It's like. There's oh, trends. IPA. Yeah, I agree like, with that. Ooh, high alcohol beers. I'm going to make real... Oh, oh Sam Adams Utopia. I'm going to make high yeah, alcohol beer. Yeah. Everyone's going to make was, a high alcohol beer. It was beer. the hoppiest thing, and then yeah. it was the sourest thing. Well, anytime thing, you're, you're sort was... of... Now it's the cloudy thing. Anytime you're yes, in any yeah. way sort of aligned with the service industry, you're going to have to follow trends. I'm kind of sad that meated beers didn't come to fruition, <laughs> because that was a prediction that I had. What beers? Meated. Beers with meat added. <laughs> I remember hearing you talk. I just it, we were making like you know like I missed that episode. It was yeah. it was, it was yeah. Homeri predictions, right? Like, what's the weirdest thing that come true? Okay, so we have chocolate so, and all you know, fruited right, and right, all this chocolate. like meat. What's that be? I mean, we nailed sours, but then we did There's not. A couple get... bacon beers out there, but it really didn't come to the level that I thought. No one predicted so, the rise of hazy IPAs. So, that, so that, what you were yeah. saying is there's probably a market for the a beer futurist. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Someone, I mean, innovation is not going to stop. When there are eight thousand breweries in the so country the now. Que- you know, the question right now is hazies or New Englands or both. Greg differentiates them a little bit differently than I do. We're still arguing on the definition. Um, but anyway, do those are those sustaining? Are they going to be classic styles, or they are are they going to go the way? Let's hope that not. fruited IPAs went. Fruited IPAs, I am shocked at how short their life was, their half-life was, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because they weren't the thing. <laughs> then they were a bit of a thing. And everyone put grapefruit or tangerine or pineapple in their IPAs. And then they fucking imploded. Yeah, thank goodness. Because because of... of <laughs> I think Hazy's helped them Hazy's, implode. Hazy's took off because I think Hazy's are so much more accessible and, and more... They're, they're, so why do you think... Pumpkin beers still exist every year. It's a novelty thing. Pumpkin beers, pumpkin beer. It's a trick. It's it's one of these things. It's <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds delicious. Pumpkin beer. Even now, to me, even though I've learned my lesson a dozen times over, sounds good. Sounds good. Only about two percent of them taste good. I, I get, I get but your point. But the two percent do <clears throat> taste good. Yeah, it's they, interesting. I mean, they don't taste great. There. They're good, not great. Yeah, I've never had a yeah. great pumpkin beer. No, but I, I, I do think that. So, so I always go back to the food angle, right? And I think every pumpkin beer I've had, I would think that it would be tasty with a certain element of. You know, fall food, mm-hmm. whether it's like a roasted acorn squash or it's a, you know, a, a pumpkin pie or it's it's a, you know, like a, I don't know, a cinnamon biscotti. I can imagine it tasting well with something. And then I think, yeah, I could drink one of those. Would I want to drink more than one? No. Do I want to drink it in August? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I want to drink July. it in October. 
And that's the only time, you know. But again, I don't October, like to see Christmas decorations. You, it's a very really limited. Uh, it it yeah. sounds limited. like it's supposed to work. <clears throat> it barley and pumpkin. But they all turn into spice bombs, or I, I don't. I don't. I, I would. I would disagree. I, I just don't think barley and. I mean, I from the standpoint of. Uh, grains and p- pumpkin, you can make a pie. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you, but, you just but can't I, I Car- so okay, caramel, <laughs> caramel malt. And, I mean, to me, okay. it always thought it sounded good. And then, you know, well, what about over apple the last. Beer? What's that? Apple beer. I mean, that doesn't sound good. Sizers uh, are good. Well, that's not apple beer. Sure it is. We've it's had... Beer a, what was the beer that was... It's not really um, fermented. With, uh, no, no, it's not. It's, no, no, it's no, like no. fermented. It, it's uh, apples. Calvados. Um, <clears throat> well, that's J.W. Lee's, but yeah, that's... Yeah. J.W. Lee's with Calvados. Yeah, but that's just in an apple brandy barrel. Yeah, that's, but I mean, there's apple. But for te- technical reasons, apple or um, wine coolers are not wine. Oh, I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, if you're going yeah. down that road, but, like... But, so, so real know. quick, back to these pumpkin beers, right? It's... <laughs> Well, yeah, well, they are, to me, they're, they're malt beverages, right? Isn't that what they are? Because yes. I know that there are certain... Are you like, talking I about wine coolers? I yeah. Okay. still think there's a there's an opening for someone to figure the fucking thing out, but no one has. I, I don't think it's so. It's very, very I, I, I rare. Think that, I think that it I has had, been figured I've out. I had one pumpkin beer this year, and it was a, it was a New England IPA pumpkin. Not good. Oh. Yeah, but, no, but it tricked me. Right. It the, tricked blind, me. the blind show you had a pumpkin beer. You said it was your favorite pumpkin beer you ever oh, had. Okay, I've had two pumpkin beers this year. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't. I, I'm. I think they've already figured. It tasted out. like a pumpkin roll with like cream but, cheese in it. So that was worked out pretty good. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's still compared to the other beers in the flight. It was still at the bottom, but it was <clears throat> as far as the universe of pumpkin beers go, acceptable enough. It got to the table. I mean, the thing is that beer isn't the only place where that pumpkin thing came along because they put pumpkin flavor in everything, right? Yes. I know pumpkin, pumpkin spice, spice latte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sick of that. Yeah, really. Yeah, terrible. So, at least so the think, brewing industry learned I, their lesson, right? Because like, with no, the did they? No. <laughs> what <There> is? <laughs> how did they, they learn did, their lesson? Because there's not thousands of cases of pumpkin beers sitting on the shelf right now. They I don't know don't, about that. Have you been in, in our Whole they Foods? In they're everywhere. They put they, them on the, they on the shelf back. in August. They scaled back from three well, years ago. Well, I think they overproduced, but I, three but years I think ago, the yes. point is, I, I think the point is, they have figured it out. I mean, a basic, uh, you know, I don't know, a basic uh, brown ale that has some pumpkin in it, that's a pumpkin beer, right? Yeah. And, and It'll you sell can no make a good one. Yeah, I mean, but but you could make one that's good, and it doesn't have to be a spice bomb. You know, like <coughs> Hardywood makes a really good one that um... gingerbread stout. Mm-hmm. No, but they also make a pumpkin beer. Uh, they're... I've had ones that aren't spice bombs that are fine, but they're just fine. They're never like right. I mean, but that's I don't the thing. Think it, I don't think. It's I don't supposed think. To be right. Fine. Yeah. It's it's not supposed to be. You don't gotta stop be making. But, but every pumpkin. beer has to be like super beer, right? It has to be the best beer. No, no, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Why aren't people out there making the the fucking best porter? Not imperial porter, just the best damn porter you can make. There are those. Nobody, ca- nobody sure. cares. No one cares. But yeah, I mean, you got like, nobody like, cares. One of my favorite go tos is this is not a porter, but one of my favorite go tos is Deschutes Mirror Pond, just a pale ale. It's not okay. even a particularly yeah. hoppy pale ale. It's just really good. That's another example of a of a style that's been eclipsed mm-hmm. by 
I'm going to make a hoppy pale ale. And now, you know, hoppy pale ale is a step away from an IPA. So now I'll just make a IPA and I'll call it a hoppy, yeah, whatever. But, I mean, it's not like it's hard to get to that mirror pond. It, it's it's widely available it'll, because it's a good It'll beer. all come back. You know, in, in another 10 years, there'll be the hipster hipster brewers that'll bring back the retro styles. And people will be like, oh, Retro-style my God. pumpkin beer. This, this Hellas. Oh, my God. Have you ever had a Hellas? Holy shit. You know? Or pale ale. Yeah. 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 And we've discovered a new beer. It's called Alt Beer. <laughs> it, it, it is you know because we're in the moment it's like how are we going to yeah. get back to classic when you're styles? when you're immersed in something it's really hard to yeah it's right chaos, so I, it's like yeah when you're immersed in it, like we're, we've lost these classic styles that's mm-hmm. what i feel like right now i feel like we've lost pale ales well, esbs I think, I think porters hellas's it'll come back i, I just don't part of just this can't is, see how. is the american uh what, what should I say? The, the, propensity. The, yeah, propensity. The idiom of America is, is always like to do something to an extreme. It, it's not good enough to make I the think best the, the extreme prototype. gets attention, but the the baseline gets is actually what, what gets the most popular in general. Uh, I'd yeah, be I so hypocritical sure to true. say that I... Wonder know. Bread is not the best bread. <laughs> no, 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 but it's... It, uh, but but nor is it really trying to be. Exactly. The baseline right, but you is get, what sells. Like, you, it, you get, get excitement for something and then, the, you know, that, that our bread's sliced. And then... <laughs> And then it goes well, the all best bread thing like, since. Almost all bread. The best but, thing no. since. Yeah, but that, yeah. I think that's why but, got Wonder Bread big, right? Because it was, it was sliced. So, I think that's true. Probably. I don't know. I feel like we're like sitting up on our, our high horse now because... What else is this show for? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but, you know, Touché. okay. So we talk about like, oh, we miss these classic styles, but come on. Base we, just had, we just had a bunch of fantastic beers. But hey, I, I base said, three IPAs are better than like any IPA ever made in Great Britain in the 1700s. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, probably. Well, right? Were you around to drink in the 17 and 1800s? Come on, you put Galaxy in, in a IPA, we, it's going to kick the shit out of any East Case, East Ken Golding's IPA that was shipped to India. Come yeah, on. yeah. Well, I mean, they were trying to make a bitter beer. They were trying to make a beer that would. Last. Stable. Well, sure. That's the that from what I've heard, that story is a little apocryphal. I, I heard that there are people I've who are heard that a little too. Saying, like, uh, I don't know. Are those the Brexit people? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but all I'm yeah, worse, I picked, is trying I picked, to get this this thing. Of like, <laughs> I picked the easiest example of this argument. Yeah. Right. But it's like you know, arguing for the good old days. I mean, make your great in, in other examples. Of our lives, right? You know, everyone uh-huh. remembers. There's a fondness of memory. Yeah, yeah. nostalgia yeah, yeah. fools you. And time marches on. Uh-huh. Yeah, but but look, just look at. I'm Germany. just happy those fruited right. IPAs died as quick and. Yeah, I stuff. am too. I am too, and I hope the hazies follow them. <laughs> I would not expect that to happen. Yeah, do you know how many hazies I, were I in the Great Haze... American Beer Fest? I, I, I'm, you, no, I'm I don't. Oh, you I didn't see that stat? Know. No. No. So, so they opened up hazies this year for the first time. Oh, as a, uh, as a category. Oh boy. So IPA has been the number one category for twenty years, uh-huh. something like that. They opened up hazies this year. The IPA usually gets around like one hundred fifty, one hundred fifty, one hundred eighty. Yeah. Okay. Hazies got 
three hundred entries. I I tell you what. I, I think oh, I think that they boy, are. He's going to be so upset the, all night long. They now. are so difficult to do well. There are so many that are just unspectacular. Have uh, you been I to mean, Brew Gentleman yet? Can, the, can what? you? Have, have you I, been Brew when, Gentleman right here? No, it's in they're Braddock. They're no, no. We just arrived. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're drinking here. We didn't drink. We yes. didn't pre-drink. We're, if we no, were no. supposed to pre-drink, you should have said this instructions. There, there's a there's a brewery called Brew Gentleman that makes some of the best. Hazy's that I've ever had. There's a couple in town, right? Yeah, but, uh, but Brew Gentleman is, is to me, I think, the, the most exceptional because everything they make, like they even make a great English mild. I mean, they make they're, wow. they're fantastic. See, see that's interesting. Yeah. I, I like a place that can make a bitter. Uh-huh. I mean, that's just spectacular. I, I mean, this is talked about the the styles. I mean, you could, you yeah. could probably hit them on your way home tomorrow. <laughs> okay, well, we'll right. talk. Okay. We'll make have sure, to get Make sure they're open on Sundays. I think they yes, are. They, yeah. That's a yeah. question. The they're they're east of the city, so they're. You could definitely swing past them and not like add too many minutes onto your mm-hmm. trip home. And so, how long have they been making the hazies? Because they haven't been around that long, right? No, they've only been around for about four years. But their flagship is, and they just call it an IPA. So but it's a it's it's not murky like the this one. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a hazy. I mean, it's yeah, it is. Yeah, is it that murky? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so where did who started the? The hazy eye probably started from the alchemist. Yeah. Well, no. The alchemist. No, no, no. no. no, no. Uh, so there's, we, there's <laughs> okay. Not the so, chemists, but the alchemists. All right. So yeah. there's, there's New England style IPA. Yeah. And then there's these uh, murky New England style IPAs, and then there's hazy IPA, and there's a kind of a Venn diagram of what Greg and I agree on and what we don't agree on. <laughs> okay. So, like, Greg. Hazy's is kind of like the mass market want to be a good beer, right? Is that no. how you describe it? No. no. Okay. See, I don't even know what Greg thinks. <laughs> Hazy's is the haze mostly comes from the pot, the hot polyphenols and other stuff that's in there. It's not they don't use other oats and other adjuncts to 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 add to the haziness. And, for my and are they marketed as a standard IPA? And it happens. No, to be, no, 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 no. They're usually marketed hazy. But, but that, haze, that, that is, haze is in their name. That to me is what I think. In my mind, that is the 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 hazy archetype. Is, is kind of, I'm, uh, this is kind of flipping what I thought Greg thought on its head. So I'm okay, go on, go on, the, please, sir. The New England. What, see, the thing is that those originate in New England, so that's why. But I, when I think of New England IPA, I think of the white, like IPA with oats right. and stuff in there that is just like hey, yeah. you know, totally hazy. And so, uh, two breweries originated this: Trillium and Treehouse. Okay, yeah. Both in Massachusetts. Right, yeah. And so those are the guys that kind of um, invented the style of these, the beers that look like the Hitchhiker we had tonight. But I think Um, they were going off of the Hazy, which was started by the Alchemist. Yes, yeah. Which is the, he he did, the guy who runs the Alchemist did, um, what was the beer called? Hetty Topper. Hetty Topper. Right. Which was, had to get it super fresh, or otherwise it really wasn't that great. And you know, in the can, huh. it was just it, it just it wasn't murky, but it was it looked cloudy, and it was all from hop polyphenols for that one. Um, and that so okay, that makes sense. I thought that you defined hazies as 
uh, Sierra Nevada and New Belgium. No, I think oh, they're those guys it trying and throwing to make... stuff in there to make it sort of hazy. But to me, like the archetypical hazy is sort of the the, the heady topper, and the archetypical New England is the one that has okay. the other stuff inside. All of right. It. Okay. So, so you're, you're talking me, about the people, the, the, the places that are just trying to jump on the fad yeah. and by adding haziness to some yeah. you know, basic beer. Yeah, like there's a New Belgium has a hazy, juicy haze IPA. Yeah. Which, yeah. So my definition's a bit different. Uh, New England style IPA are almost all, almost opposite of what Greg said. To mm-hmm. me, New England style IPA is the heavy toppers, the hop polyphenol hazy. Uh, just it's just an IPA with so much hops that it's cloudy, right? And then you have the hazies, which are Trillium and Treehouse, and the beer we had tonight. And then you have. The big guys and the wannabes that are making hazy beers, jump, jump in on the fad. That don't fad. really seem like a Trillium or Treehouse because they're not super fresh. That's the other thing. Is the like, Voodoo Ranger, right? right? Oh you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Not it's hazy. Yeah. Okay, wow. But <laughs> but it's, you do. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, there's kind of three. I I use hazy in this. Um, kind of loving term of oh it's hazy it's gonna be good and then like may or may not be from New England but see to me I don't use that because those places the New Belgiums the whatever that are you doing you know these mass market ones they call them hazy they don't call them necessarily call them New England but New England ones that I've had all tend to be more along the line of lots of you know really almost like white in terms of its color and uh, and yeah, they're yeah. they're really fresh yeah. huh uh, hmm. so I mean I, but that's you know it's a continuing argument we haven't we haven't decided <laughs> which, which which one of us is right even though I'm pretty sure I am he's always sure he's right yeah I'm always sure I'm right I'm often wrong but I'm always sure I'm right yeah so what's next Oh, I have no oh, idea. You're in this futurist thing. What well, is I mean, next? I mean, look, but I mean, so I don't, I'm not a cre- I'm not a fan of this style. So I want to know. I could where never have predicted that next. this style would come out. So I have no. I mean, idea. so so are we going to see? Are we going to see a this, dark IPA? I, I think this style. Well, we already have those. Well, yeah, but yeah, but it was it was very minor. Wasn't it? Yeah, because there wasn't anything to, they could do with it. It launched, and then it, it just wasn't that good. Oh, and all right. Yeah, Cascadian Dark Ales because and Black it, IPAs. Yeah, the more the more the more malt you've got, the more hops. It's, it's not it's not uh, cost effective. I think the I mean, hazy trend wouldn't that? have happened without the phase three hops, the things that we call the phase three, the the, the tropical hop stuff. That so we ask what's next. Bunch you of know, things happening together. Let's let's step back. Do are hazies a flash in the pan or are they around to stay? I think they're around to stay. I think these are different than the. The fruit juiced IPAs. I think these are yeah, different I than so the Gozas. I, mean, I think in, Gozas didn't die, but Gozas definitely are on a downtrend compared to when they came out. I think these hazies are a thing. I think they're going to be around. Why do you say that? I mean, I mean there are what, entire breweries so that are just doing hazy stuff. And they're well, so I mean, good. <laughs> you just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's because of, of the, the huge, like, Amount of of I think attention it's, I th- and 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 the, like that not that apparently stat, bitter. I think the that, you know, you taking know. away from the apparent bitterness of these helps make it more accessible. 
that that's what's wrong with them is they, they lack bitterness what what's the point i mean it's it's the uh, point is you have a great point drink is, that is not bitter but it has all the other things don't like well this is like trying to have a chocolatini instead of a cocktail no i well i I I disagree well it doesn't make it not beer it just makes a different kind of. well i no, i agree i mean i mean arguably a chocolatini is a cocktail but it's i I don't think it's arguable i think it is i I don't think it's a cocktail anyone should drink that that may be the case but it's definitely a cocktail uh it's 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 sort of like applebee's isn't a restaurant anyone should eat at well, it's like it's, you it's, shouldn't it's certainly a restaurant. I'm not arguing it's not a restaurant. And if you're at the airport, I, you know, there, there has to be something other than Applebee's. Not really. Right? You know what? The, you know what? <laughs> you can go to get is there an Applebee's at the at the Pittsburgh airport? There is. You know what? You can go to the Starbucks and you can get that little protein box that has some cheese and some crackers and some Apple. apples in it, and that would be better than going to Applebee's. <laughs> But this has Applebee's as Apple in the name <laughs> and bees. I don't know if they have any apples in the restaurant. Though. Yeah, I know. they I, have I, lots I of bees don't. though. They I, don't. Don't. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, I think those are flies. <laughs> so you you think hazies are here to stay? I do. Yeah. But hazies are hazies just IPAs, or are they broader than that? That's a good question. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I I would not be surprised. Well, I, I to see the hazy moniker go into other styles. It'd be what would it be oh, that? So there's a couple a of different points. Porter. I think that <laughs> hazy Weizen. Well, I, I Weizen's already hazy. <laughs> I think that people. Hazy accept, crystal I think. <laughs> I think people's acceptance of murky shit is going to be better than ever. So mm-hmm. you know, you might actually see an uptake in wit beers and hefeweizens and uh, unfiltered pale ales or so whatever. People will think it's actually a trend when that's been around for a long well, time. I, I think that people are more acceptable of beers that you can't see your fingerprint through the other side of the glass. Well, I'd, ra- I'd rather uh, drink a beer that's called unfiltered than a hazy beer. Yeah. Let's um, see, would you rather drink like an, uh, like I, I would way prefer pretty much any hazy IPA to say Arrogant Bastard, which is like way, it's like well, I get uh, it, you're super bitter, but that doesn't, that's not, doesn't mean you're uh, good. Uh, like, oh, I, I think yeah, I, I, that's fair. That's fair. But I don't drink that. I mean, you know, I, I don't know why that sticks around. Well, I think there was a major thing about... beer, basically. <laughs> well, there, there was a major like time when, when beers tried to be... that There weren't a whole bunch of different hops, so they just said, okay, well, we'll just throw a bitter. Well, you didn't, have, more more you didn't bitter. have as many new... You didn't have as many angles to play. And there was the IBU arms race. Yes, yes. Right? The IBU arms race is a, definitely a... Uh, well, I mean, not everybody in the IBU arms race was a failure. No, I wouldn't say they're but, a failure. But I, I think mean, overall, those, just making but... it to... I mean, this, it, again, it's... this is like the issue that I'm saying. America is about, I found something interesting, I'm going to exploit it until until people are like, people can't take it anymore. Let's make things as late bitter stage as possible, capitalism, right? Man. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're it's we're just going. I think we're going for a hazy. So, so even if hazy beer sticks around, we are I we think, are inevitably headed for a hazy. Crash. I think hazy beer will be the next president of the United States. <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Hazy crash. <laughs> no, I think there'll be a. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a hazy crash or hazy contraction. I mean, Goza had it. Yeah. No, I, there's always overreach and then pull. But um, I don't think that hazies are going away. I do think they'll become part of the repertoire. And I mean, not would be... you would you agree that 
fruit juice IPAs went away. I mean, they practically do. I hope so. Yes, they, I, but they're I mean, practically I gone. I mean, I, I mean, I see, I see occasionally something with fruit. Alice Points a... probably still does them, but yeah, yeah, they, they did, a, they did it yeah, very they're well. They're still around. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't agree they're very... away. I think they've they've gone down, but they're not away compared to their peak. Yes, they're... of course. Well, everything's going to be down compared to their peak. no, no, but. That's all I meant. But like, I, mean, goes I, mean, it, I didn't goes mean literally down around. from the peak. I meant Compared tremendously to. down from their peak. Uh, I think you're you're considerably less likely to find uh, a, a fruited IPA that's not a hazy on on a shelf than you were right. before. It wasn't just a contraction; it was a crash. I mean, yeah, I would say. I mean, well, you're, yeah, as con- as compared with Goza, which is which which had been there before and then peaked, sank. I mean, that's. You know, it's all semantics well, the, the, to some degree. But there's still the problem with goza, no short of course, is that making a good goza is hard. It's easy to make a. I guess the like, people. It was, the, the, it was easy to make a goza, and when you didn't know what a good goza tasted like, it it sold. Yeah, and yeah. then as people tasted more gozas, they're like, most of these aren't that great. Yeah, at least that's my point. That's where I came at it. If you, if you well, take a look I at like Westbrook, have you ever had Westbrook's goza? It's still really good. It's. I, This is the problem: is that everyone jumps on the bandwagon because it's more important to sell. It's more important to offer a beer that's in a that has a moniker on it. Sorry, that's a business. (laughs) Well, I I appreciate that it's a business. I'm I'm simply saying, look, look, all these beers are are much better than anything from Anheuser Busch. Although Goose Lake, I mean, I you have to. Oh, Caveat. Goose Island, yeah. Goose yeah Island I'm sorry, Lake. Goose Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic yeah, yeah. Goose, Goose Island. Um, Surrounded by Goose Lake. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I've been playing this game. It must be, so, right? so this is a good. So I've been playing this game uh, called Rusty Lake, mm-hmm. which is made by some developers in the somewhere in like Eastern Europe, and they're inspired by Twin Peaks, and so they have this dark and twisted weird world where they have a, a series of games that are based on like an escape room kind of thing oh i love it but they have a whole this whole mythology rooms. that goes on and and you know this penult i don't it's the it's the it's not it's the ultimate game now but i think it's the sort of going to be the penultimate thing they're going to have another one uh is called uh, cube lake or, or rusty lake paradox and it's about the whole story is is somehow connected to this guy who is a detective and there's this murder that he sort of semi dreams about and there's this dark stuff and there's this rabbit that comes to his birthday party and kills his parents and uh yeah it's very twisted it's very twisted but it's a it, it's very it's but it's a puzzle and anyway it's very interesting rusty uh, lake i'm going to rusty look that up. lake you got to check it out yeah because I like escape rooms. Esca- it's very yeah, cool. So I just thought of this when you said you like yeah. escape rooms. Last year, I took Allie and two of her friends to a more child-oriented escape room. Uh-huh. And it was the most tiring hour I've ever had. <laughs> wow. Trying to keep two, three ten-year-olds like, on track and like <laughs> trying to... Make sure they're paying attention to the right things, and and oh yeah, you gotta letting, go in those letting, game plan. Letting them in. well, letting them solve some problems, but not letting them flounder so they get nothing done. So giving them throwing them bones when bones are appropriate, but not getting too excited and throwing them too many bones because you figured it out. It was 
one of the hardest things. Mm. I would love to use take three 10-year-old girls to an escape room. So you now have a newfound respect for teachers? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Because that's what they go because through like, pretty much awesome. every Allie, day with more than Allie and one of her friends, they were pretty good on topic. And then her other friend, Elizabeth, she was just like floating away like 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 no no lizzie come back here here, here's where you need to pay attention yeah Yeah. and it was like it was so much it was fun it's a shame that the learning experience can't be okay well well, lizzie you're still stuck in the escape room you don't get out (laughs) until tomorrow morning but but it was was so everyone has to want to participate and i didn't want to give them all the answers but i also didn't want them to be like an hour later and they're stuck on the second puzzle you know Mm -hmm. so i was giving them trying to trying to meter out the tips just right and uh, it was hard yeah (laughs) you should try it okay (laughs) (laughs) because you love escape rooms i do love escape rooms but i don't know why i should try bringing 10 year old and i don't even know how i would start like (laughs) the process this this seems this is interesting i'd like to see how this works out hey i i I noticed you have 10 hey hey little hey little girls uh would you like to go to an escape room might want to think about that a little bit before you execute on the that pitch. idea. I just want to yeah. get your your ten year old girl and two others locked in a room with me for an hour, and we're gonna try to get out. Get out, or, or they'll try Don't to worry, get I'll out. I'll give I'll give and them I'll, I'll give them tips. <laughs> <laughs> like you'll have to do some of the arrangement. I think if, if you want this to happen, I have a good tip for you. Mm-hmm. Don't play with dead animals. Okay, it's a good tip. Is then it not a good eat? tip? What am I going to eat? Well, play with you, you, them. I didn't say don't cook them. It's I like said don't, don't play with them. Don't play in traffic. I don't... Yeah. yeah. T- that's also a good tip. It's a good tip. Yeah. Here's a good tip. Drink water. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here's a good tip. The pencil. Well, this, this, yeah. this drinking water can be very bad. Good tip. If you're in Haiti after an earthquake, drinking water. Yeah, you're in the wrong or part Detroit. of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Stay hydrated. <laughs> That's a better one. Stay hydrated. That (laughs) That is a good tip. Stay hydrated should be your theme. Stay thirsty, my friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, radio. Stay hydrated. (laughs) There was a lot of research recently about like the the micro dehydration and how it affects performance and stuff like that. I've heard something about that. You know, I like like not like dying dehydrated, but like we are all dehydrated right now uh-huh. and how like what the state we're in right now versus drinking enough water that you're peeing every 20 minutes uh, how it affects your like cognitive yes, abilities yes right so you might not do as well in, a, in an escape room now as you would if you were fully hydrated but then I have to go out and leave the escape room every 20 minutes right I know <laughs> escape, as long as the escape room but is there's no really, per- yeah. there's no perfect scenario there's just versions <laughs> of good right that's a good one stadium <laughs> buddy way to put you it. could take a stadium buddy with you yes and then you wouldn't have to leave the escape room perfect oh yeah, I don't know what that, that is it's a bag. That's, I, no, it's no, like, no, kind of no, like a colostomy, no, no, right? They make uh, no. they make stadium gals no, too. No, 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 they don't. They do? <laughs> no, they All don't. right, let's end on peeing. Right. It's a good way to end. That's a great way to end. Thank you. That's an awesome idea. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, thanks for coming, guys. Yes, oh, thank you. Anytime you guys want to come back, I'd love to. We'd love to. We're excited about Pittsburgh. Yeah, come back. Awesome. And Cranberry Township. 
Oh, it rocks out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really Cranberry. Oh, you it's really Crasbarrel <laughs> Surprise Township. But... I'll tell you about my state representative after we get on. Uh, he is a real piece of 